Welcome to episode number 44 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Anne Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. For the past two weeks or so, I have been appearing on Doximity as a guest and answering questions about nurse entrepreneurship. And so I wanted to take some of the questions and to share my responses because I know that for many of you, you have these questions. I know I answer them very often. And so I thought I'd take a moment and just share some of the um, support and advice that I give for some very commonly asked questions. So the first one I'm going to start with is... um, the aesthetics business. And I get a lot of questions about the aesthetics business because there is no shortage of people who right now want to go into aesthetics. And actually, it's for good reason. We know that the aesthetics industry is booming. And I I found a a recent McKinsey and Company or McKinsey and Consulting article, which shows that the global aesthetics injectables market could grow by 12 to 14% a year over the next five years if manufacturers and providers capitalize on the underlying trends. So with a, and in addition, the aesthetics industry has a, um, a CAGR rate, uh, which is in essence like a growth rate that uh, consultants will uh, put on a, an endeavor uh, to understand whether or not it's growing and it's something to pay attention attention to. The uh, growth rate of aesthetics is is high. And so there's a lot of opportunity, I think, in the aesthetics industry. And what I hear very often is that, you know, a lot of advanced practice nurses have an interest in, in aesthetics and they like it. And I have one client in particular, we laugh in that she thinks of the um, face as an art canvas and she likes to support transformation. And she does that in a variety of ways as an advanced practice nurse. Sometimes it's with aesthetics and injectables and neuromodulators. And sometimes it's with using a functional medicine approach. Sometimes it's using with the tools that she has as a coach, right? But her why, her mission is really supporting that transformation and then applying that in multiple settings. And aesthetics is one of those places. So, but what's interesting is that in relation to aesthetics, you know, you can have a booming industry, you can have a person who has all the skills, you can have, you know, people who go to training programs, and we have a uh, a plethora of, of training programs that are out there to train um, advanced practice nurses, in particular in injectables. And so there's no shortage of those. I would just, as a side note, be cautious and make sure that where you go is is comes as a recommendation from either another advanced practice nurse or has some reputable uh, claims behind it. Right? We we want to make sure that you get trained, you know, with the best uh, tools uh, and to do it in a way that is gets you know patients the best results and that is uh, ultimately safe. So, but um, but very often, you know, I have a lot of clients and and advanced practice nurses in general who say, hey, you know, I like aesthetics. I want to get in. I I was trained in one of my jobs, uh, but I just don't know, you know, what to do. And so I got this question from Amber and says, can you give me the starting points for financing um, an NP business? I'm looking to break into aesthetics, but I'm having trouble finding a starting point. And just to point out, this is such a normal question. I get it all the time. And if there's one thing that I see come up with clients, it's always this like, where do I start? And this big general feeling of overwhelm. So just know, and let's just set the stage for this is very normal. And if you have thought about starting something in your career, whether it was a side hustle or a practice or 
you know, taking this great idea that you had from concept to creation, you may too have felt overwhelmed and not sure where to start. So it's just very normal. And I want to make sure to normalize uh, this type of a question, number one. And then from there, I think there's two additional parts here. Number one, there's the financing piece, which I want to talk about. And then number two, really kind of how to get started in a, um, in a business. So, so just as a side note, in terms of aesthetics, so we can just lay the groundwork for this conversation, aesthetics is a booming industry. And maybe if, you know, many of you will uh, know this and understand this. Many of the people who listen to this podcast tend to be women, usually around in their mid-30s to uh, early 50s. And those of us who are in clinical practice or, you know, very often making around a six-figure salary and not surprising, that is the typical uh, demographic of people who seek injectables, neuromodulators, and fillers. And so, um, so of course, we would have interest in it. It makes, it makes sense, number one. Number two, I think from a standpoint of uh, transformation and this idea of helping people get where they want to be, whether it's in how the face looks or it's in the, um, you know, getting their healthcare needs met, or it's in achieving some state of health and wellness. I think aesthetics speaks to a lot of uh, advanced practice nurses uh, in general. So, so, um, so we also know too that the uh, injectables market, this is a, a quote from uh, McKinsey and Consulting, which is a large consulting firm uh, that shows that the global aesthetics injectables market could grow by 12 to 14% a year over the next five years if manufacturers and providers capitalize on underlying trends. Now, that was an article that came out in 2021, so it's a year old at this point, but the, the more recent data has not changed. And if anything, the uh, annual growth rate has increased uh, in terms of the growth and the uh, projection of growth for the aesthetics industry. What does that mean? It, that, that's good, right? That means we've got a business opportunity. So so let's talk through uh, this financing piece. And then again, we're going to talk about you know how to get started. So for the financing piece, there's a couple of different ways to go about it. And what I tend to see is that many of us aren't in a position where we can quit our jobs today and start a business and go and figure it out. Many of you have uh, families where you are head of household and you are the primary uh, breadwinner for your family. Uh, many of you are in a spot where maybe you have some, you know, a hundred grand or two hundred grand in student debt loan, and you are trying to repay that. Um, and so you have to, you know, you're in a uh, an agreement at work where you are receiving some dollars for uh, refunding or or repaying those loans, and so you want to stay there. Uh, and then furthermore, you know, the realities about business building is that businesses take time to build. I mean, you know, you may look at some people and assume wrongly that they're a, a success, right? An overnight success. And maybe sometimes we see that with uh, videos that go viral or with influencers. Uh, but I would uh, make note that anything that you see right now has been probably a good 10 years in the making. So don't underestimate the amount of time, resources, energy, and and very often capital that goes into building businesses. So that's just something to to notice. So so if you are in a place where you say, boy, you know, I can't I can't just up and leave my job. You know, what do I do? I think one of the great things that we can do is start something on the side. And this is one of the reasons over on Facebook we have such a large group of advanced practice nurses in side hustles for APRNs. Um, 
because we talk about, you know, how do I, if I'm, if I'm doing my nine to five, how do I, you know, do something on the side and begin to build it over time so that I can leave. And that's just it. So, so if you are at a point where you're starting to think about this, there's again, two ways to think about it. There's in terms of financing, I could stop my job. I could go to a bank. I could go to some people who maybe wanted to invest in me. I could ask them for dollars and um, I could in return tell them, well, here's my plan for how I'm going to make it work, aka this is also known as a business plan or a business model. And we can go to them and say, this is what I believe. This is the annual growth rate. These are my skills and the services. This is the uh, you know, demographic that I aim to serve based on uh, this demographic. This is where I see the clusters of these segments of individuals in my community. And so this is where I plan to put my brick and mortar, blah, 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 right? It's a very intentional uh, business plan uh, or an intentional uh, model for how this could work. And if you're all of a sudden like, wow, it sounds like a lot of work, it is. And I'm also going to counter you and say, hey, what do you expect when you're asking for somebody to invest 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand, so that you can create a brick and mortar and get going, right? They they are probably on the other end going to say, and they're probably on the other end going to say, how's this going to work? How are you going to use the money that I'm giving you in order to create more money so that I benefit in the end, right? This is always a follow the money kind of a conversation. So so if you think about that route, it gives you, you know, diarrhea in essence, or makes you feel like you want to vomit, then that might not be the best route for you. But it is a route that is possible. And, and I would say a very traditional route of starting a business Right. Many of the uh, businesses historically that get started, they are people who have ideas and who don't have funding. And so they go to other people who have funds in order to help them get started. Those of us who may be more of the uh, get started from the the, uh, more basic kind of slower route, we may be the ones who say, well, I got to, you know, or those of us who have priorities, right? I have priority to uh, family. I have to make sure that I keep, you know, a nine to five job or a clinic position so that I can maintain the insurance benefits and coverage for the family or so that I have a 4013B or a 403B or, you know, that I'm getting some of the benefits and, and perks to support my family and our overall financial health. So, so there is this opportunity for, you know, going the traditional financing route. Some people do it, you know, it's great. The second piece is to say, well, if I don't want to do that, how else could I get it going on the side and build it up over time? And that is a great way to do business. And I think for a lot of us, it works. It allows us to dip a toe in entrepreneurship and and really start to think, is this for me? And, and, and get in without a ton of capital, without a ton of energy and uh, a ton of our resources, you know, into it, right? It's one thing to go out to a group of investors and say, hey, I want to start a business. You know, can you loan me 200 grand? And I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing with it. And uh, and there's a certain kind of stress that comes with that, right? Because you got to produce at the end of the day. You've got people who've loaned you money, whether it's a bank or a funder, and you've got to show them some results at the end of the day. So there's, you know, it, it for some will light a real fire under their asses to get going and to make sure that it happens. But for some of us, it just doesn't feel like it's the best way to do business. And for those of us who, uh, you know, want to go in, in about this in a sustainable way or in a way where we can, you know, grow it slowly again and really minimize our upfront costs, I think, you know, doing something on the side really helps. So if we understand that about 
you know, these two main factors. Number one, we have a booming industry for aesthetics. Number two, there's a couple ways to go about financing it and, and in terms of how you set it up. And then I think this third piece is, is like, but when, when you have trouble, quote unquote, from this, uh, this uh, gal who, who mentioned it from Amber, I'm having trouble finding a starting point. So let's talk about that because I think this is the hardest part that a lot of us really face. And, 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 and I just want you to know you're not alone if you are the person who says, yeah, this is totally me. Okay. So let's look at this. So when you start something new, you have to remember, and maybe you know this and you remember learning about it in one of our you know, old nursing classes, maybe it was at your bachelor's level or maybe in your master's level. But when, you, when we learn about the brain and, and behavioral science, behavioral psychology, and the anatomy of the brain, we have to understand uh, something really important. And I'm going to skim over this right now, and I would encourage you, if you want to learn a little bit more about the limbic system, the prefrontal cortex, I talk a lot about that in the first few um, <clears throat> episodes of this podcast. But when we do something new, we really want to make sure that we keep it simple. Because here's what happens when we do something new. The brain creates a lot of drama around doing new things. And we have to remember that this is exactly what the human brain is designed to do. Uh, so when you are faced with doing something new or hard, your brain is going to say, boy, and it's just a terrible idea. And I think we should just for tonight grab a glass of wine, get your favorite blankie, and let's put on Netflix because White Lotus just dropped the uh, last season, the last episode of the season, and we cannot miss it. Like that's the good stuff, not this whole building business bullshit, right? Like, and uh, just as a side note, if you don't watch White Lotus on HBO, it is fascinating. So good. It's, I, we watched the first season when it came out and, um, just finished up the second season, the last episode dropped, and it was amazing. It's so, so fascinating um, and such good storyline. So if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. Not for when your children are around. This is not one that we that we play, you know, we stop it and, uh, you know, like dull the screen, uh, change it to something different when the kids walk in the room. It's not appropriate for uh, for little eyes and ears, but this is, it is a fantastic show. I highly recommend it. Anyways, so, but you know, your brain is designed to say, look, White Lotus is on. Let's not fuck it up. Let's just keep it simple tonight and let's just get in bed. Let's turn on Netflix or let's turn on HBO and watch White Lotus. Right, like this is how the brain is designed. Wants to keep things to, to keep things easy, and and remember, there's an evolutionary uh, reason that we do this. And you know, thousands of years ago, when we were on the savanna trying to figure out where our next meal was coming from, the brain really had to develop into, from an evolutionary standpoint, into a uh, machine that allowed you to to see danger and to make a risk assessment and to plan for it. So what's interesting is that this evolutionary part of the brain, which is known as the limbic system and also referred to as the lizard brain, this is the part of the brain that just goes wild with fear and, uh, and, and, and worry. And so, and, and your limbic system today operates as if it were, you know, in the years before Christ, 
literally, you have a brain and a portion of your brain operates like it is still back on the savannah, running from saber to tigers, trying to make sure that you didn't get uh, left behind uh, so that you were eaten, right? Never wanted to be alone, never wanted to be ousted from the group, right? This is this is herd mentality. This is uh, being a part of a tribe, right? So part of your brain, when it is faced with hard shit, it looks at it and says, oh, no, no, no. That's that's the equivalent of a, of a saber-toothed tiger. And our job in 2022 is to look at that and say, wait a minute, really? Are we really scared about this? Do we have to, is building a business the equivalent of saber-toothed tiger, you know, on my heels? No, it's not. Does it feel like it? Yes. Oh my God, 100%. You may be, again, you know, you might have some vomit coming out of the back of your throat. You may feel sick to your stomach. You may feel nervous and anxious and have all these feelings coming up, really coming from a place of fear. So it feels real. It feels very, very real. And in fact, it's not. And our job, what's beautiful is that over the past, you know, many, many uh, thousands of years, we have, from an evolutionary standpoint, developed a prefrontal cortex that helps us to uh, be strategic, to be analytic, to uh, be rational, to assess risk, to make decisions, and to do so from a space of, uh, of you know, being a calm place from a peaceful place, right? Not from a space of fear. So when this idea of, well, all right, I know I've got the skills to go inject, I'm already certified, but where do I start? Your brain will just give you every reason why that is a terrible idea and why you ought to, you know, get on to the next season of White Lotus. So nothing's gone wrong here. And I just want to make sure that we're very clear on that because you might be at a, a point and you might say, boy, I've had all these great ideas and I've not done anything with it. And I'm a terrible piece of shit human being. And, you know, I'll never get anything done, right? This is where the brain goes on total uh, heavy, uh, you know, shame and blame and victimhood. And it's a, it's a downward spiral. Okay. So you got to know, you got to be onto your brain and say, oh, how interesting. Look my, what my brain is doing. First, it it responded from a place of fear. It told me to, you know, be scared and to avoid doing something new. And then when I said, well, but, you know, I have these bigger goals or, you know, or, oh, maybe I am just going to go and sit and watch White Lotus tonight and just like put this whole starting a business side, you know, put it to the side. Then if the shame and blame rolls in and the guilt rolls in, you know, your brain just loves all that shit. So it's like this terrible spiral. So you got to be on your brain. And when your brain gets into the fear, that's when you can say, wait a minute, is this an, a real risk to me right now? Or is my brain just a little bit worried and scared? And what am I going to do? I'm gonna, am, will I operate and make decisions from a place of fear? Will I manage my fear? Will I retrain my brain and re redirect it so that I can uh, manage my risks appropriately, make a decision from a place of, you know, uh, contentedness, from a place of calm and not from a place of fear, right? That's, that's where, where your work is. And so our job really is to outsmart the brain. And this is a lot of what we do in Nurses Living the Good Life. We talk a lot about how to outsmart your brain, how to manage the limbic system, how to manage that part of your brain that wants to stay safe and protect you from the anticipated harm of doing things, and all the while do epic shit in the world, right? 
So if we get past that standpoint, if we get past the, the area where you say, okay, um, I've got to, I've, I know I'm a little bit scared and that's okay. And now what, what if I was willing to acknowledge my fear, not let it drive the bus and act, you know, take action anyways. Right. And I, and if you're just like, God, that sounds really hard. I just want to also remind you that we do this every damn day, right? If you've lived through the C, the three C's, if you've seen any of my webinars, I talk about the three C's. If you've lived through clinicals, through codes and COVID, I'm pretty sure that you have a built-in track record of doing hard shit. Okay. Like you cannot get into the place of being an advanced practice nurse if you haven't done clinicals, if you haven't had some part of doing probably a code, and if you haven't lived through COVID and had a million people asking you, you know, all sorts of things about COVID or asking you for care or uh, asking you, you know, right? Like, remember, we have done hard shit in our lives. We're really good at doing hard shit. Some of you, I, I even think back of, you know, what have I done outside of my clinical career that was hard? I ran a marathon. I had uh, two babies, uh, two unmedicated births, right? Like I uh, had an episiotomy with one. That was hard, okay? You want to talk about hard? I had dental surgery. You want to talk about hard? I'll give you hard. And it it, it, it involves dental surgery and an episiotomy. Those things are hard, <laughs> Starting a business, going to, you know, figure out how to uh, train yourself to be an injector or figuring out how to build a website. Come on, that's easy shit. Running a code, not so easy. Uh, being an advanced practice nurse in COVID, not as easy. Going and doing clinicals, not so easy. Taking boards, like, come on, we have a hard, we have a track record of doing hard things. We have a track record of showing up for hard shit and getting it done. So do not let yourself forget it ever. It's one of the most important things I can, if I can, if you remember one part of this whole damn podcast, it is this, you know how to do hard things. You're really good at it, in fact, and you've got a great track record. So do not undermine yourself. And allow for all this, you know, fodder and drama in your brain when it, when it has all these big feelings that come up. Just remind yourself gently. Oh, yeah, I'm that person. Okay. All right. So next step. Next step. Okay. So if you were to say, well, okay, I'm going to manage my brain. I'm going to outsmart it. I'm going to notice when it's starting to operate from fear. I'm going to acknowledge my fear. I'm going to allow it to be there. And I'm not going to let it drive the bus. I'm not going to let it. Uh, deter me from taking massive action. And I'm also going to then point my brain in the direction of showing myself evidence of how the opposite is true. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a person who does hard things, right? If I do that, if I do all of that, then where do I go? Well, now when we come at this from a space of being calm and clear headed and having a really clean slate in terms of our brains, we're not overloaded with fear. The next step is to say, okay, well, what would I have to do to see my very first patient? And this is where I think it's really useful to get a piece of paper and a pen and to write it out and say, if I was going to see my first injectables patient, what would I have to do? And, and, and I love when I ask this question to clients because immediately they will say, well, I don't know, which, you know, we don't accept. I don't know it's around here. 
And if you're a client of Nurses Living a Good Life, you know that this is, <laughs> this, is, this is a phrase that you hear often. We don't accept I don't knows because I don't know is just the first thought that your brain will always present you with something that is unknown always. So we just, we just note that and say, okay, yeah, there's that whole, I don't know statement and next, right. It's, it's like, a, I, I don't know, is like, almost like, um, like, right. It, I would put, I don't know as a phrase in the same category as ums and likes. Okay. So we notice that first, well, I don't know. No. Okay. Next, we do know. We don't even pay any attention to that. Uh, and then again, we get a, a, a piece of paper out and a pen and we say, well, what would I have to do? Well, I would probably have to um, find somebody who wanted a, you know, an injectable, who wanted a neuromodulator. Okay. I'd have to find that person. And then I would have to talk with them and say, do you want to get an injectable? Like, do, do you want a neuromodulator in your face? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I could do that. All right. And they would have to say, okay. And then you would have to say, okay, so now I got a patient and what do I do next? Well, now, I don't know. I probably got to go and figure out where to get the injector, right? Like the injectable supplies. Like I got to go purchase the neuromodulator. I got to actually purchase the supplies to inject the neuromodulator. So, you know, I don't know, my alcohol pads and I need some syringes and I need some, you know, small gauge needles. And I don't know, you guys who do uh, injectables, you're much more familiar with this than I am. But, you know, you, you kind of start to play it out and say, well, what are all the things I need? And then you can say to them, okay, well, uh, hey, I'm going to uh, find a couple places that sell, you know, these injectables and I'm going to get back to you and we're going to set a date to, you know, for your, when I can get it in my hands and, and we're going to set a date. So then you set a date and the patient says, great. So you go do your research and you go find, you know, you sign up with McKesson or Amazon business, or you go to any of your, uh, resources that sell the, your preferred neuromodulator and you purchase it. You, maybe you purchase a small batch for now because you just have one patient, not a problem. And and then you say, uh, okay, I it's shipping to me. It, it should arrive here. And, and uh, I've got all my supplies and I'll be ready to see you in one week. When's your availability? And they say, all right, let's do a Saturday. And you say, okay, sounds good. And they'll say, where do you go? And you say, well, I can come to you right? Do you need a brick and mortar in order to put injectables in someone's face? No, you don't actually. You don't. Now, some of the laws in the States you have to be mindful of, and I would encourage you to make sure that you understand the ins and outs of your board nursing uh, or your health department in order to understand if you can have a, if there are any laws in particular around concierge practices or around where services need to be provided. Usually there aren't, but, you know, remember, you've got to know the rules and regs of the state in which you practice. Make sure that you're up to date there. And then I would say, well, what do we also want to do? Well, probably want to make sure that uh, you have some liability insurance, maybe to just cover your ass in case something goes wrong before you actually do the injecting. So that's something I'd look into. You're also probably going to say, you know, and, and this also, I just want to also make note that um, if you are in a state that does not have full practice authority, remember, you cannot use, you are going to need a, a physician collaborator. And so if you uh, don't have that, you ought not be doing services under which you have no physician collaborator, if in fact, your state requires you to have one. So that's, this is just a, 
a side note, but this is a an assumed uh, uh, piece of the setup that you have, which is that if you need a collaborator, that you have one in place. Okay, and then and then you're gonna say, well, all right, if I have, um, you know, uh, if I have all of the the layers in place, um, I've got you know the medication, I've got the actual you know, um, things that I need to inject the, the supplies. I've got the, the time set up with the patient. I've got, um, a, uh, maybe I, I looked into liability insurance. Maybe I got a policy. Uh, I may need an EMR, uh, and I can look into some of the free ones that are out there for the first few patients. And, and that's about it. Right. And then probably the last piece that many of you will say, well, how do I, take payment. There are a handful of processes that are out there, processors, right? Like Stripe and Square. You could do PayPal or Venmo in the beginning, right? Does You could take a cash, right? It could be actually really easy. You could have somebody write you a check. And then you could have a consent form that uh, is created in Word that you print out and you have the patient sign right, for consenting for care. I mean, this stuff doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be fancy. And do not allow yourself to get caught up in the drama of all of the things. Well, I don't have a website. Well, I don't have, you know, yet a um, an email list. Or, you know, I, I don't know if I need uh, credentialing. I mean, look, in the beginning, right, just as you get going, it can be really helpful to uh, literally to just get going and to to figure things out as you go along. Some of you will say, well, what about an LLC? That's a an individual preference. What I would say is, um, you know, limited uh, LLCs are limited liability companies. They help to protect your assets. I recommend them for all small business owners, especially if you start doing something in the medical field, right? And earn a healthcare lens because we know that there's a precedent for uh, people litigating um, uh, healthcare providers. And so I want you to make sure that your assets are protected and that you and your family are protected. Um, plus, there's also perks of being a small business owner and having uh, an LLC uh, designated, right, as a uh, in terms of taxes and some of the write-offs that you can get for being a small business owner. So, and you can always consult an accountant or an attorney and or both to understand what's best for you personally based on your assets and your business. Um, and so, but. Don't let it stop you from getting out there and, and going about your first uh, patient, okay? So those are the basics. So remember, we, we covered a couple of things here, which is number one, we talked about this idea of financing and how to go about you know creating a business. Do you go the route of building it slowly on the side? Do you go the route of going for uh, funding and dollars that would support you quitting your job uh, and you know creating a, a clinic? And neither one is a, is right nor wrong. It's just a question of um, what feels best for you in terms of how you want to build a business and particularly how you want to build your business. And then that second piece of it is um, also looking into, um, you know, how do you get started and, and, and why aesthetics is a great field and why there's a lot of opportunity there. And then that third piece is really becoming that person who manages your brain and that commits to you know, being an observer of all the brain activity and all the drama, and then, you know, still committing to um, operating from a place of, uh, you know, taking action from a place of confidence and calm and, and power rather than 
uh, from a place of fear. So, um, and then once you finally get going, you know, and, and really start to think like, okay, how could I do this? You know, just a really, um, uh, uh, basic checklist in essence, which I went through in terms of what are all the things that I would need. I have a free resource that I put together for you. If it would be useful, I have to do is go to www.bitbit.ly forward slash easy hyphen business hyphen checklist. Again, that's bitbit.ly forward slash easy dash business dash checklist. So you've got a free resource if that's something that uh, you think could be useful for you in terms of taking these next steps. But uh, so remember, um, when your brain offers you some drama, it's normal. You're not alone. And your job is always to be the person who who is the observer of your brain and who uh, learns how to become aware of its pitfalls, where it gets a little bit stuck, and then in turn, how to out- outsmart it and to work around your brain and never to let it keep you stuck, uh, as it sometimes would love to do. Um, and then to go out and to build epic shit, right? And to do whatever it is, whether it's uh, statics for you or if it's an online course or a combination of the two. Uh, or, you know, a, 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 another kind of a business, right? Just to keep going out into the world and doing the things that you were, you were brought to this earth to do. Okay. So, so if you're not on Deximity, go get on there. If you've got questions, feel free to um, get on the Deximity uh, app and um, connect with me and also ask a question and ask me anything section. And then I'll uh, keep this going with, I have a lot of other questions that came through and I will incorporate them into our next podcast. So, and if you want more than the checklist, remember Nurses Living the Good Life is a program that is designed for advanced practice nurses who are looking to take those next steps because they want to do good work in the world and they want to do well for themselves and create that version of the good life. So if that is you, come on over. All you have to do is go to www.nurseslivingthegoodlife.com and uh, more information there. Okay, take care. <laughs>